Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 55 of 2021, episode 55, and we're going to do the readings. Lo and behold, it's finally here. Lent is here. This is going to be the last day of ordinary time in the sixth week. Tuesday, the last day of ordinary time in the sixth week. So if you like what I do and you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share. So let's begin. Uh, I'm going to begin with the act of contrition, okay? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, folks, uh, that's going to be the last time we're going to hear that till um, Easter Sunday or uh, Holy Saturday. It's the last uh, day for this. Uh, I always find it very painful because I love the Gloria. I do. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful prayer, and I think everyone should memorize it. I love it just as much as I love the Nessene Creed because I love the fact when we all say it together, it's just, it's beautiful. Um, okay, so this is it. Um, the reading is going to be, uh, it's continuation from Genesis. It's going to be chapter 6. We're jumping into the, the result of... Um, Cain's descendants dominating the earth. We just saw um, the murder of his brother Abel. And it really, it should be looked on with tragedy. I mean, that that is uh, absolute tragedy in a sense that, uh, I mean, there's so much we could talk about that particular sin. I mean, let's face it. What is the result of that? It's war, constant war constant war between uh, all, all of us as human beings. We're all brothers. I mean, that's that we're all family. We're all the same species. We, we talk about, um, we notice our, our politics, um, black, white. We talk about racism. We talk about uh, Hispanic. We talk about Asian. We talk about uh, people of different uh, ethnicities and, and 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 but technically we're all human beings we're all human beings science has not been able to prove uh like the sp sprouting from different primate species they can't prove that okay because then if that was true then you might call it interspecies uh, relations and that's not possible all right even let's face it you're never going to find a chimpanzee mating with an orangutan okay you never there, there's 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 no inter there's no inter 
interspecies, inter-ape species relations. You're never going to find an orangutan mating with a gorilla. They haven't proven that. They haven't proven that. They're different species of apes. Okay? A chimpanzee is not going to mate with a, with, with a baboon. Okay? You know what they say? Birds of a feather flock together? Yeah. You haven't seen an eagle mating with a hawk or a falcon. Okay? You haven't seen a sparrow mating with uh, other like birds, like uh, a tropical bird. It doesn't happen. We are all one species, the human species. We can intermarry. We can, uh, a black man and a, and a white woman, uh, a black man and a white woman can intermarry and have kids and there's no problem. There's no problem. They, they have beautiful children. A black man can mate with a, an Asian woman. Beautiful children. Okay? There's, there's, no, there's no problem there. Okay, there's no problem there. It, it, you know, it, it, the the way the way our politics is is so offensive. The way politicians use race and 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 some people they exploit it to the point that is so insulting and offensive to God. These people should be chased out of the cities, I'm in my opinion. Politicians who exploit race and color. And yes, even police officers who have this problem or who have racial problems. The sin of Cain resulted in violence on the streets, violence in neighborhoods, terrorism, suicide bombing. Uh, I mean, it's just so much. It's so much. Even, you know, the sin of Cain exploits race. It exploits religion. It exploits uh, families. It expo- it's, it's, it's sexual exploit- exploitation. It's, um, uh, you know, sex trafficking. That is the sin of Cain. Drug abuse, pornography. That's what it is, is resulted in. When God said that sin is crouching like an animal at your door and it wants to master you, it means basically, basically what it is, is the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast. Whatever sign God put on his head, Cain was an, Cain was an animal. Okay, if, the, if you want to look at Cain, look at Hitler. If you want to look at Cain, Look at those, look at those, uh, those dictators. You want to look at Cain, look at corrupt politicians. Okay. Look at corrupt senators. Look at the, look at the atheists. Look at, uh, uh, Stalin. Look at Nietzsche. Look at all, look at all these philosophers that basically have, have done, have done the damage. They're all there. That's the mark of the beast right there. All right, let's go to the readings. All right, so the first reading is from the first book of Moses, the book of Genesis, chapter 6, verse 5 to 8, 7, chapter 7 to 1, uh, I mean, chapter 7, verse 1 to 5, 5 to 10. It's, um, it's a little edited, but still, it's enough. So, um Let's let's see the result of Cain's uh, population uh, populating the world. When the Lord saw how great was man's wickedness on earth, and how no desire, and how no desire that his heart conceived, was was ever was ever anything but evil, he regretted that he had made man on earth, and his heart was grieved. So the Lord said. I will wipe out from the earth the men whom I have created, 
and not only the men, but also the beasts and the creeping things and the birds of the air. For I am sorry that I made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for you alone in this age have I found to be truly just of truly just of every clean animal take with you seven pairs male and its mate and of the unclean animals one pair a male and its mate likewise of every clean bird of the air seven pairs a male and a female and of all the unclean birds one pair a male and a female thus you will keep their issue alive over all the earth seven days from now i will bring rain down on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights and so i will wipe out from the surface of the earth every moving creature that i have made noah did did just as the lord had commanded him as soon as the seven days were over the waters of the flood came upon the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is, um, wow, it's quite, uh, yeah, it's quite, it's, it's quite a statement from God, isn't it? When the Lord saw how great was man's wickedness on earth and how no desire that is his heart conceived was ever anything but evil. He regretted that he had made man on earth and his heart was grieved. That's quite a statement. That's quite, a, that, that's quite, I mean, it's unbelievable. Let the, the, the other reading we just read um, from Monday, Jesus sighed from the depth of his spirit. From the depth of his spirit, when the Pharisees demanded a sign, they demanded a sign from heaven, proof of who he is. Instead, they didn't. They 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 were completely blinded that they didn't bother to look at the miracles that were happening around them. All the people were being healed. How the people were rushing to him. How the people traveled miles to be healed by him. And they were. And he wasn't getting paid. He wasn't taking any money. He wasn't making a profit from it. And. Here, God is sorry. He made human beings, all human beings in his image. He gave us a divine image and he gave us the free will, the will to, to choose. Now, you probably think, well, he chose that. Yeah, but the point is he took, you could say as, as God, did he take a chance? Maybe we can say in a human way, yes, but as God, he, did he know what was going to happen? Yes, but the point is, Man, mankind, the, the desire, we, we find sin and evil more attractive, even when we know it's going to grieve us and make us unhappy. There's a lot of human beings, I've noticed this uh, for many years, I mostly spent a lot of my time around, around the art world, and I've noticed... Um, a lot of times, these very liberal self-expression people always, for some reason, choose the very thing that makes them miserable. And they, they are miserable. They are miserable to the point of suicidal. They're miserable to the point of suicidal. They, 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 they love their, their intellectual freedom. They want to believe they're intellectually free. They want to believe that they're better than the rest of the society. They, they actually do. They actually think they're better than everybody else. They look down at people who practice virtue or, or practice faith. They look down at piety. They look down at, at, at people who, 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 want to, who want to try to live as morally and as, as, as uh, obediently to God's word. They look down at religion. They laugh. They laugh and they're miserable. They're miserable. Drugs, alcohol, loveless sex lives. Um, they hate their job. 
They're smart. They, they, yeah, they are. They're very smart. They're smart and they're miserable. All right. And the funny thing is, you look at all the artists of history that they, that 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 the artistic world, even the intellectual world, intellectual people like Karl Marx, was a miserable wretch of a human being. They're all, they were miserable people. Friedrich Nietzsche, that that they idolize as the icon and beacon of independence, is a miserable person, a miserable wretch. Pablo Picasso, that they idolize as the expression of independence, was miserable. I mean, he was he was a man he used and he womanized and everything you could possibly think of. And and didn't love anybody. Didn't love anybody. You look at all these people the, from the intellect, politically intellectual, philosophical, philosophically intellectual, to artists, miserable people, miserable and unhappy people, because the because they are far away from God. They're far away from God. And the world idolizes them. The world idolizes them and thinks that they are a role model of human independence, of uh, freedom from God. And they're miserable and they die miserable. Gauguin died miserable with syphilis. Um, <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't happy people. And when they do, when they do do anything for like Matisse or some other these other artists, they paint something of religion. I mean, look at Van Gogh. Uh, Van Gogh. Van Gogh was supposed to become a pastor. Har uh, in my opinion, I don't think he was a great artist. I mean, you know, in anything like that. And yet he, he was a miserable wretch. He was a miserable human being. And yet the world wants to idolize them. Idolize them. They were never at peace. Not one single one of them were at peace. Not one of them. You know, I mean, you could study them if you want, but, and they were very talented people. They were very talented people, but they were, there was no peace in their soul, no happiness, no joy. You know, maybe the one who, some of them learned their lessons near the end of their lives, like Rembrandt, even though he wrestled with faith and he painted some beautiful images about faith and he you know realized how you know maybe he he could have done things better they could have done things better a lot of them even my goodness um i mean michelangelo they want to make him out to be that he was uh a man who uh like he, they want to make him out to be a homosexual or something like that and, and everything. But the thing is, even he, you know, he, he realized in the end of his life, he realized what, you know, what his life was like, whatever private problems he might have, he might have had. Da Vinci was another one. Vanity of vanities. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, all is vanity. Everything, whatever they did will be done again. And there'll be other people in their place, maybe more extreme, perhaps, but still no different. Their ending will be no different. They all come and they all go. And the only thing people put a price is how valuable their art is. Don't pay attention to any of this stuff of the aestheticness and the beauty that, you know, people... People have done it a thousand times over, stood in front of their artwork and come up with all kinds of silly conclusions and expressions. All of it means nothing. And a lot of the art means nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't add a single day to someone's joy or happiness. Only God. And if someone is an artist and is smart, he will do things only for God and, for, and to, to make the world a better place. That's the only thing that matters. When it comes to this here, what we see here where God is telling Noah is that he, even though God regrets, he says he regrets making human beings, still he's a just God. Noah, he acknowledges, is a, is, is, is a man 
who is just, who found favor with, with the Lord. Even though God has said, I am sorry I have made man, he's not a God who's going to destroy unjustly his creation. He's going to, you know, he, he's going to be, he's a just God. And he found Noah and his family. They found sight, mainly because of Noah, who's a God, who, who, who God has favored. And the Lord said, go into the ark, you and all your household. For you alone in this age have I found to be truly just, just. And he tells him what he has to do. And then 40 days, 40, uh, you know, the, 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 the waters have came down on the earth for 40 days. 40 days is a sign of judgment. And seven is a sign of covenant, of favor. Okay, within seven days, he gave his family seven days to pack up and get ready. Even though it took years, years to build the ark. The ark is a symbol of the church. The ark is a symbol of the church. You remember that series, the Left Behind series? How um, everyone else around, uh, all the Christians, the people, the world, a thing called the rapture that that uh, many evangelicals uh, love that word, rapture. And then what happens is all of us are left behind and we have to deal with the seven years of tribulation with the Antichrist. It's still an interesting, an inter interesting subject matter to look into. It's an interesting subject matter, but one that we, we should approach cautiously because a lot of times these... Um, these subject matters are almost like the way they come. Well, many evangelicals, I hate to say this, it's like they have everything script scripted out, like a Steven Spielberg, like a you know, it's a movie, and they and and they make great movies, but there's a lot more to it. It's a lot more complicated. Um, I I would love to see evangelicals and Catholics sitting together discussing this matter. You know, because a lot of times I think we read into interpretation we read we read we impose our interpretation on scripture rather than cautiously taking out of scripture but you know this is why it's very you know it's it's something that's not that easy you gotta you know there's some things that are spelled out christian doctrine that the church has spelled out and i think it's it's done beautifully with the creeds with the liturgy which is why i'm catholic but a lot of times this is an apocalyptic approach the ark is the church the side door if you read the whole story there's a side door to the ark is exactly a picture of the, of the side of christ being pierced if you remember everybody on the uh, went into the ark everybody that was in the church everybody everybody outside the ark was gone wiped out the sinful world was wiped out Okay, the first age of the world has ended. The second age has begun. And it begins with Noah and his family. Noah and his family are the ones who are left behind. The animals in the ark represented all the people from the different nations of the world. Clean and unclean. All right, clean and unclean. Whatever that world was like, it must have been something that only exists in our mythology now, in our, in our imagination you know, often they, they, a lot of people read into the idea that there were giants and maybe there were dinosaurs. I don't know. But that's one of the, one of the interesting thing is, is that now they're, you don't hear them talking about dinosaurs as much as, uh, as, as they were before, because they found out that it turns out all that we thought we knew were wrong. They don't uh, talk about them as much because it turns out there weren't as many as we thought they were. And what we thought they were, were quite different. Some of them may have had feathers on them. They may have been big birds, which is what the conclusion was. A lot of them have laid eggs and they had feet that were similar to chickens and eagles and other raptors, uh, birds. It turns out that they were not as many as we thought they were. So notice, you know, the more science has able been able to figure it out, because now... 
they had to they have to actually they've exploited it so much for the last couple of years it turns out now they were wrong with all the dna testing and all the the science has discovered they may not be as right they they may be wrong i'm being very cautious because there's a, because they're not talking about it as much so but noah and his family noah is a type of christ and the ark is a type of the church and the flood is a picture of baptism baptism and it comes and wipes away all the sin now there's some in uh, according to some rabbinical tales why why was it done this way why were the animals going into the ark one male one female it's believed that cain and his descendants became so corrupt and so sexually perverse that they weren't just practicing uh same sex they were actually practicing bestiality and some serious corruption uh some serious distortion of creation that's according to some rabbinical te uh, uh, text and interpretation, which is why the animals came willingly into the ark two by two, one male, one female from every species, as God is giving his testimony to the world that you have corrupted my creation. I'm going to take back my creation. And this is, this is how I originally created it. And so, when no one his family were in the ark, God shut the door of the ark. He gave the world a certain amount of time to change, and they refused to change. As usual, mankind always refuses to change. And then came the end. That's why Jesus uses the ark, uh, the flood of Noah, in the judgment story, in the judgment parables, because he's telling them. Just as it was in the days of Noah when the world was feasting, marrying and giving in marriage and sinning, so it will be on the days of the Son of Man when the Son of Man returns. And yes, why Jesus always says, will he yet find faith on earth when he returns? That's the scary part. All right, so let's go on to the responsorial psalm. All right, so... Psalm 29, the Lord will bless his people with peace. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalm 29, give to the Lord, you sons of God. Give to the Lord glory and praise. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Adore the Lord in holy attire. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the Lord over vast waters. The voice of the Lord is mighty. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The God of glory thunders, and in his temple all say glory. The Lord is enthroned above the flood. The Lord, the, the Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Okay. Give to the Lord, you sons of God. Now, we, if we look at Genesis, the sons of God can refer to sometimes it refers to the angels but i believe like when it says the um uh when it talks about the so-called nephilim um i'm look i don't i don't know about i i would love to believe that in, in that uh belief that they were giants or mythological creatures that walked the earth some people want to believe that that was that's the way it was in the days before the flood of Noah. But the word Nephilim, if you look at it, the sons of God came down and looked upon the daughters of men. What it means by the sons of God, I truly believe, in my interpretation, it's a safe one, is those who worship God, 
those were like the Israelites, chosen, and then they broke their covenant and took on the sons of men, which were Cain's descendants, who were not worshiping God. And it says in those days, there were mighty men, men of renown. They were powerful men. Now, what they were like, I don't know. Like I said, it would be beautiful if we had more information. But even though, regardless of what, if we, whatever information that extra biblical, extra writings in Judaism says about that went on in the world. It's funny, I just learned the word watcher. I don't know if you ever into uh, the watchers, like in the Marvel comics. Jack Kirby took that from the Bible. He took that term watcher from the Bible meaning angels who were sent on earth to watch and record the actions of men, sort of our guardian angels, the watchers. They watch our behavior. They watch the sins we commit. They watch all the the behavior, the, the things that human beings do, uh, wars, politicians, stuff like that. They're watchers. They watch, you know, they record and they watch. That's their job. That's their duty as angels. Now, in the movie Noah with Russell Crowe, they had these these beings, angels that were encrusted in rock because they decided they, they felt sympathetic to human beings. They wanted to help human beings. I know that a lot of the stuff we gotta be careful. We don't want to go too far. Too far. Now the word Nephilim, I just believe they were powerful human beings, powerful men. Men of renown means powerful warriors. Like People like the so-called um, uh, the king in uh, in the Bible, uh, Nimrod. Nimrod supposedly he was one of the descendants of Noah, but the thing is, you know, he built the Tower of Babel. But like I said, you don't want to go too far. I would love, like, whatever the Book of Enoch, all the first, second Book of Enoch. There's a lot of people who are going to milk it for money. It will be fun reading, but don't let it, don't let it go into, uh, into the actual Bible. Those books may have some, some maybe semblance of truth in it, but you got to approach it very carefully. You can't go into uh, ancient aliens, <laughs> you know. But the thing is, the sons of God, I believe, can be angels, but also can be human beings, and it goes on. Um, it mentions the, 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 the voice of the Lord is over the waters, the, vo the Lord over the vast waters. The voice of the Lord is mighty. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Um, the glory of God thunders in his temple. All say glory. The Lord is enthroned above the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The waters, again, refer to the nations, the nations who will praise God. And the flood is like the flood, the, the God's word, the believers, the worshipers of God can be like a, will be one day like a flood, the flood that will, that, you know, that will cleanse the world, that will give praise to God and cleanse the world. So we have that. Okay. So let's go to the gospel reading. Okay, so the uh, gospel, uh, the Alleluia Antiphon is from John, St. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 23. Alleluia, alleluia, whoever loves me will keep my word, says the Lord, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Alleluia, alleluia. Whoever loves me will keep my word, says the Lord, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Alleluia, alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, Lord. It's from chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. Watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Okay. The disciples forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Jesus enjoined them, watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. 
They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, Why do you conclude that it is because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered, Twelve. When I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many baskets of fragments did you pick up? They answered, they answered him, Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We'll read it one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Jesus enjoined them, Watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, Why do you conclude that it is because you you have no bread? Do you not understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered him, Twelve. When I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many, how many full baskets of fragments did you pick up? They answered him, seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? The gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. I think this is something we have to pay attention to. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. Okay, I'm going to read this little outline here. Watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Jesus enjoined them, watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, Why do you conclude it is because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the loaves, the five loaves up for the 5,000, how many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered him, 12. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many full baskets of fragments did you pick up? They answered him, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So we have to read this several times. There's a lot in here and there's a big message for us. We have to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now, this lectionary, the way it's put together, it's actually quite clever and very well done. It's definitely the work of the Holy Spirit. I know, I know some of the traditionalists may not like this, but let's be honest. There is something going on here. God will not allow his people. He will not allow his people to be deprived of anything. And Catholics, Catholics pay attention. There's a lot in here. Okay. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. In the boat. We started off with the story of the ark. And now we have a boat, another ark. It's the church. The ark in the beginning was a picture of the church, a foretelling of the church. Now this one here is also kind of a foretelling of the church, but it is the church. It is Jesus is in the boat with them. This is the church. They forgot to bring bread. They worried about food. They forgot to pack their lunch. 
pretty much, right? That's exactly what is said, that what they're worried about. Jesus enjoined them, watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Okay, watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He's saying to them, be on guard, watch out against the leaven of the Pharisees. Pharisees means separated ones. They're puritanical. They're very self-righteous. They're very much about kosher interpretations of the law, clean and unclean. They're obsessed with it. Ever since they got back from Babylon, the Pharisaic rule ruled. They, they were constantly worried about Israel committing sins again and them being punished like what happened that led to the deportation to Babylon. They came back more extreme. They were more worried about keeping the, the rituals than they were worried about worshiping God in their hearts. The Pharisees, separate one. They think they're better than everybody else that's beneath them. And they pretty much, they, they rule the people, they rule the synagogues with an iron grip. Okay, they got a stronghold on the people. Life and death. They can decide to have any woman stoned who displeases them. They can come up, they can, they can go along with it. And they're, and they're also, they're very prideful. They're very prideful. They're very extremely prideful, not above uh, being bribed, I would say. Okay. So, and then he mentions the leaven of Herod. Now, leaven, leaven is what they keep to raise the bread. It's uh, kind of like, a, like I, I'm not a baker, so you know, a lot of you probably know it better than me. But the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So I, I had to look up the name Herod. We never bothered to look up the name Herod. It's actually Greek. It comes from the Greek. It means heroic. It means the, the heroic one. It also can be translated as the song of the hero, ode of the hero. So Herod Antipas is the son of Herod the Great. Herod Antipas is the one who had, will, have, will have, or at this time may have had John the Baptist executed. His father Herod the Great is the one that ordered the death of the innocent in Bethlehem. He, he, uh, his uh, father, I think the name uh, Antipater took the name Herod. Uh, I think he fought with Julius Caesar, if I'm correct. I believe so. Uh, during uh, the campaign or uh, against General Pompey, uh, Pompey, basically, when Julius Caesar, that civil war broke out. See, this all connected. So the name Herod is a very Greek. They're they're very they they were of Adomite, descendants of Esau, and they were. Um, this is important because we have to understand these are real historical people. Um, he had the pleasure he inherited. Uh, he he because he got Caesar's approval. And they, uh, they ruled over, governed over Judea. Uh, later on, his son, Herod the Great, um, he passed, uh, Herod the Great, he was friends with Mark Anthony and Cleopatra. You know, he supported Mark Anthony uh, and then later on had to come crawling on his uh, hands and knees asking uh, Augustus for, for forgiveness for choosing Mark Anthony over Augustus. Uh, Mark Anthony gave Herod the Great, the son of, again, Antipater. These people, they take names as tribute to, to these Romans. Um, he, uh, you know, Julius Caesar gave Herod the Great's father rule, rule over the entire Judea, Palestine. What would one day be called Palestine later on by the Romans, but it's all of Judea the Israel. And then later on, of course, um, after he died, Herod the Great went to Rome and paid up. Uh, that time Rome was ruled by both uh, Octavius and Mark Anthony. Herod went to Mark Anthony because 
Mark Antony was close friends with Julius Caesar and Herod the Great, uh, Herod the Great's father, uh, helped Ju helped Julius Caesar against uh, General Pompey, and he got he got the rulership of of Judea, and he want now Herod wants to become king of Judea, he wants the throne of Judea, but he's not a he's not a descendant of King David, so he goes ahead, pays up money, a big bribe, to Mark Anthony. It's funny, Mark Anthony kind of regretted giving it, giving it to him that easily, thought he could have held out a little bit more for more money. But that came to haunt Mark Anthony because Octavius found out about it because it went against the Roman Republic. He didn't go through the Senate. And that's Octavius was watching. He was waiting for Mark Anthony to, to take a bribe. Of course, this led to a, a civil war between Octavius and Mark Anthony, the second civil war. They might have had more. It might have been more than one. This might not have been the second. But still, you know, anyway, it led to Mark Anthony taking Egypt, which is what Octavius wanted, because Egypt was where they produced the grain, a lot of the food for Rome. And he may have, he has the, the, the stomach of Rome, Mark Anthony, while Octavius remained in Rome and he he can make propaganda against Mark Antony. Anyway, it led to Herod uh, the Great crawling on his hands and knees asking Octavius, Caesar Augustus, for forgiveness. And he still retained the power over, over Judea with Octavius's, you know, blessing, so to speak. You know, he had to pay... Um, taxes more taxes to rome uh but that was okay with him because herod rebuilt the temple and made the temple the glory of the middle east it was beautiful i mean you walk to jerusalem the story says and there's that beautiful crown over the the temple that square head it looked like a crown from every side you look it was beautiful and it was magnificent to look at. And he built libraries, he built schools, universities around it. Where the temple stood was where the Dome of the Rock is. And that's why you see the Dome of the Rock from every corner, because that's the platform. He built over the mountain, raised it higher, and it wasn't, it was not primitive. It was not cheap, it was beautiful. Archaeologists are discovering new things every single day about that region. It's, it's fun. It was a fantastic. It was one of the wonders of the world. You go to Jerusalem, it was sophisticated. He did not want it to look cheap. He didn't want Judea to look cheap. The only problem was he was not ethnically Jewish and he didn't live like a good Jew. Building the temple was one thing. Winning the hearts of the people was a totally different matter. So anyway... Herod means hero, and leaven is uh, again the teachings, the the um, the propaganda. I'm going to say propaganda, the manipulation and teachings and propaganda of uh, their bad teaching. Herod is a politician. The Pharisees are corrupt clerics. Very simple. It's there. They the the Pharisees control the synagogues. They control, they control the synagogues and they have power and a stronghold. And they also have their disciples. They have their, they have their group of people that are on their side. It's true. They have the, uh, the scribes and the scribes are their secretaries, their underlings. Herod has his own political party and Herod has his own propaganda people, people who spread his propaganda. That's, he said, leaven. That's simple as that. They concluded among themselves that they, it was because they had not brought bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, why do you conclude that it is because you have no bread? He's not concerned about not packing a lunch. He's not concerned about packing a lunch. That was not what he was concerned about. Food is not a problem. He, you know, he, he makes it quite clear here. Uh, do you not yet understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? So you're not looking, you're not seeing what's around you, and you're not paying it, and you're not listening. Okay, he's making it quite clear. 
Do you remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered him, Twelve. Twelve is the number of completion, is the number of the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve sons of Jacob. Okay. When I broke the seven loaves for the for the for the four thousand, how many full basket fragments did you pick up? They answered him, Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? So so um this is important because he's saying here it's it's their it's their instruction it's their influence it's their influence um the pharisees are not politicians but they have they they have very strong influence they're not liked they're feared they're feared by the common people the everyday people their influence among their disciples, they have disciples because people, some people know better, uh, they, they decide it's better to be on their good side rather than to be on their bad side. It's better to be uh, friendly with them than to be against them. There's a lot of people who think that way. And a lot of people who, uh, it's not because of conversion or, or spirit of the heart. It's because of power. Some it's because of power. Some it's because of fear. They will, they will be uh, under their influence, and that's that's a fact. With the Herods, uh, Herod is his political influence. His political influence. The Herodians are his party. The people who support him, the people who are on his side. There's nothing, nothing in either one. There is no God. God has nothing to do with this. It's about power. The Pharisees, even the Sadducees, the Sadducees is about, those are the ones who control the temple. The Pharisees control the synagogues. They have, they have, they have control over the synagogues and the interpretation and how they keep the law and everything and their interpretation of Torah, of scripture is everywhere. They, they have it with an iron grip and Jesus knows this. Now, the synagogues, are the are the basically the prayer houses. the The temple is the heart and soul of all Jews. It's where they go down. It's like, like put it this way, the synagogues are like the local diocese. The temple is Saint Peter's. Okay, it's Saint Peter's. That's where God dwells. That's where the temple is. That's where the sacrifices are done. That's where the people have to go for purification. This is where they have to go. Now, the Herod is a sinner. Herod, Herod, his, you know, Herod the Great murdered his uh, wife Mariamne. He put her in a pickle barrel. Uh, you know, he uh, murdered. He had ordered the death of the innocent. You look at Herod the Great's entire life; it was monstrous. We have most of it coming from Josephus. Julius, uh, not Julius, Caesar Augustus said that. You know, because Herod killed a lot of his sons. A lot of his sons tried to overthrow him. It's a whole Cain and Abel thing. Again, like I said, it's it's the it's the sin of Cain, power, control. Uh, Herod, I mean, uh, Augustus said that you're safer being a, a Herod's pig than to being one of his sons. Caesar had to come in and grab his sons or else there would be no more successors to rule the land. Now, what he meant by Herod's pig and rather Herod's son is because he knew Jews don't eat pork. In other words, you're safer being a pig than being his son because as a son, you're going to die. He's going to kill you. He, you know, even if you're not plotting against him, he's going to suspect you are plotting against him because in his mind, everyone's plotting against him. He suffered from madness, and you know, and he and he died that way. He was going to murder. Uh, he 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 was so. Herod the Great was so consumed with uh, suspicion that everybody hated him, he was going to order men to be murdered. And he had the wives there so that the day of his funeral, the day of his funeral, when the men are executed, 
the women would start weeping. So there will be people weeping for him. The women and children will be weeping. He, in other words, he'll, he'll hijack the tears, even though it's really for the husbands. He wanted tears shed on the day of his funeral because he knew nobody liked him. Anyway, his, one of his daughters uh, stopped the execution ordered it stopped immediately it was it was just ridiculous but that's that's how powerfully consumed these people are they they love their position of power their position of control they they worship it it's an it's idolatry it's paganism it's the mark of the beast remember cain was a very materialistic person he didn't really have god in his heart he murdered his brother his brother was more religious. He couldn't stand the fact that his brother was was loved God and he didn't have any, any in his heart relationship with God. God warned him, sin is at the door crouching to grab you like an animal. Okay, the beast. He kills his brother. Cain is afraid that everybody else is going to come after him. Any of his some of his other siblings. God said, no, I will put a mark on you. He put a mark on him. What do we hear later on at the end of Book of Revelation? The mark of the beast. Okay, the mark of Cain. And Cain's descendants completely controlled the whole, uh, filled the whole world. Violence was all over the world. So now we have a uh, an ark created to a, a picture of the church. Noah's a picture of the Christ. The, the families of Noah and all the nations are in the, are in the ark. The flood is a picture of baptism washing away sin. Now we have Jesus getting into a boat with his disciples. His disciples are worried about bread. Jesus himself has performed miracles. Miracles, he multiplied the bread for the first 5,000. It was 12 baskets, a type picture of God's covenant with Israel. All right? Remember, Joseph was a, a Christ figure. They betrayed him. Again, the, the sin of Cain against Abel. They put him in the pit. It's a type picture of Jesus into the grave. They sold him, a type picture of the betrayal. He goes into Egypt. He rises up as prime minister. He winds up becoming the salvation of his people during famine. Famine is a type picture of spiritual malnourishment. Malnourished people are not being given the word of God. His family and everyone find refuge in him. He's the Christ. Not Egypt. They find refuge in Joseph, who became, who became the source of their bread. Now, we have this story here. Jesus is here. He's in the boat with them. He warns them. I... He remember he reminds them, I how many baskets did I make the first time with five loaves for the five thousand twelve? For the four thousand. Now why four and then seven? Four is the four corners of the earth. The four gospels. The four gospels, the church will go to all four corners of the earth. A symbol of the horned altar. The altar the altar has four corners to it with four horns. Horns is a symbol of strength, of power. The four corners of it is a symbol of the four corners of the earth. Okay? Seven baskets is a symbol of the sacraments, a symbol of the covenant. And this is what something you have to remember. It's a seven is a covenant. Twelve represents the twelve tribes, but also represents the twelve apostles who who the twelve apostles who will send the gospel to the four corners of the earth, to all four corners of the earth. All right. Uh five. Um that's an interesting thing. I haven't been able to figure that five. Why five? Five loaves. Well, five loaves in a sense is like, you know, basically, I guess the five books of Moses. Right, the five books of Moses. I, uh, I, I would, I would have to assume that because, you know, it's you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, you know, it would have to be the five books of, of Moses. I, well, I've been often wondering about that, but now I, I think it is. It is the the five books of Moses. Okay, twelve and five. Twelve 
the 12, the 12 tribes, five, the five books of Moses, four, the four gospels, you see, seven, the seven sacraments. That's basically what, what we have here. It's the five, you know, I've been wondering about that because I haven't been able to get an answer for that one, but I, you know, I, uh, others, other scholars, uh, church fathers did say that, that it's, it ha would have to be the five books of Moses. So Jesus is saying to them, do you not understand? Do you not comprehend? Now, why? The question is again, why Pharisees and Herod? It's the relationship, the corrupt relationship between the, 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 the pastors and politicians. We see that today in our, in our company, what's happening now in our times. Okay. Politicians and clerics. Okay. The, uh, the unholy alliance, the unholy alliance between the two. Herod is a politician. Herod is a materialistic man who is always at war with God. The politician, the, the intellectual, the artist. Herod loved art. Herod loved politics. We see that today. And remember, I mentioned it earlier. All these, they're always unsatisfied. They're always looking for pleasure. They're always looking for the next high. They're always looking for the next distraction. Never at peace with themselves. Never at never, never satisfied because there's always God gives them a spirit of discontent and dissatisfaction. This is the, this is the sin. This is the, because they don't, they don't want to give in to God. They don't want to surrender to God. Okay. They don't want to, they're always constantly looking for something else, but never never God. And that's, and that's a problem. And so therefore they will always make war against God, against his church, against his word. They'll break, they'll look to break, they'll challenge him by breaking every single, every, every single one of his sacraments, his covenant. It's constantly like that with them. And that's, and that's what Jesus is warning them. You know, he's saying, you have no ears. You're not listening. You have to pay attention. This is why I think it's a very wonderful, you know, combination here we you know we look at it it's it, it fits together perfectly it fits together perfectly you know and it shows all right so that ends it for tuesday so um we're gonna i think we're just gonna go along with what however it works out um there's so much but you don't want to over combine it and make it confusing so um, the, you know, we'll, um, you know, as it goes along, we'll, um, you know, we'll pick out the readings and whichever reading seems to stand out and seems to go along with, with our, with our daily readings for Lent, we'll stick with it. All right. So, uh, let's end it with an, our father, Hail Mary and a St. Michael in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let me just remind you, Lent is a time of getting close with God. It's a time of conversion, getting close, cleaning house. Cleaning house meaning cleaning your soul, getting rid of unhealthy attachments. Okay, 
failure is part of learning. If we fail, we fail at it, it's fine. It just means we know we need to get stronger. It doesn't mean we're bad Christians. It doesn't mean that. I know it seems like pressure, fasting and everything, but leave the fasting, let it work out on its own. Okay, let it work out on its own. I think that's the best thing I can I can advise because we're all different and we all have different conditions. Some of us might have health issues. Uh, it's also cold. I know it's even difficult for that, but prayer is one of the important things and getting close to the word of God, the Bible. So, um, but what we're doing is helpful. I think um, it's actually very, very helpful. It actually works out quite well. All right. Um, God bless, and I'll be back with Wednesday's readings for the for Ash Wednesday. All right, uh, and uh, ho hopefully it's a blessed fast, a blessed Lent, and uh, I I pray that we all get closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May the Blessed Mother intercede for us, and Saint Joseph and Michael the Archangel, and all the angels and saints. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a good lent okay because really we've been going through a lent now for more than a year so it's it uh it's um hopefully hopefully easter when when easter comes around regardless what happens all right we won't um we'll leave it in the hands of god how it all turns out but one thing's for sure about this all this is happening is because god wants to draw us closer to him all right this 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 is part of his permissible will, everything that we're going through, because he's he's exposing what is hidden. And he's also he's pruning us. He's cutting away the branches that are in the way. So God bless and happy Lent, blessed Lent. Okay.